0: No, whatever you are, whatever you're doing, stay with us as the suns get set to shine. Here's Mary, guy heard, here's the jump shot. Jump to Marley, a long three, he got him. he got him. Into Booker, here's the three. Tuesday. Sir Charles, and he flies in for a bam, bam, double time!
1: Welcome to 7 Seconds or Less, a podcast about the NBA and the Phoenix Suns. My name is Max McCauley, and I am joined as always by my co-host, his name is David Nash. David, what's going on, dude? Uh,
0: Not a lot, Max. Another Monday morning for me, but NBA basketball is almost here. So how are you doing? I know the Cardinals just won, so you're probably feeling pretty good. But how are you feeling about basketball almost being upon us? Yeah, I'm excited about it, actually.
1: Uh, Yeah, I've been distracted by football because the Cardinals are somewhat competitive uh, for the first time in a little while, but uh, I'm excited (laughs) for basketball to start. You know, basketball is my favorite sport, the Suns are my favorite team, so, you know, it's
0: just going to be nice to have it back in our lives. It is. It's exciting to put some final predictions down for this episode, and then I'm super excited for some real action to actually talk about on the podcast. It feels like it has been forever, which it basically has, but uh, the season has rolled around pretty quickly here, too.
1: Yeah, somebody was saying, like, uh, it feels like it was like three years ago when the Raptors won the title. That's <laughs> <just nuts laughs> how it just happened. But yeah, we're going to do some predictions today. We're going to do both some Suns-based stuff. We're also going to do some league-wide stuff. Uh, should be good. We're trying to mix up the Suns part, so we're not talking about the same stuff we've been talking about. We think we have some new stuff here, David. But uh, before we yeah. get into that, how about a little bit of a recap?
0: Yeah, we can go over some news very quickly since the last episode. The Suns, first of all, got the roster down to 15 plus Jared Harper as the 16th man or the two way, the one two-way slot. So we say goodbye to David Kramer, Odise and Owens from Texas Tech. They're all waived, and, and neither of them surprisingly took the second two-way spot, which was a little bit of a surprise to me at least. But there were two more games since the last episode as well, Max. And overall, we went 2-2 two and two over the four games that we have. But going backwards to cover those ones, we lost to Denver, 102 to 107 there was the giant win against Portland 134 to 118 which I'm sure will come up a little bit as we go through this one uh, the loss to Sacramento which was pretty ugly 88 to 105 and they started off with that win versus Minnesota 111 to 106 so two and two as I said but we're gonna get all into it a little bit more very soon but what was your initial reaction I guess to the four games that we played Max?
1: Um, overall, they look more competent. They're competitive. Uh, I liked what I saw from them uh, defensively, especially Devin Booker. I mean, they weren't good, but I like how they tried. Uh, that's yep. a nice improvement. Um, I think the biggest thing is the shooting. Uh, just the, the ability to do what they did in that Portland game. And look, they're probably never going to do that again this whole season. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that they could even do that, it was a potential. It's just something they didn't have uh, the past couple of seasons. And obviously, in the new NBA, it's always been important to be able to shoot. But in 2019, it's especially important to be able to shoot. And it looks like they
0: can do that now, David. Yeah, the effort, as you said, was pretty good, which you would hope for going into the preseason. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it lasts a little bit longer than I I guess it did last season. But before we end, I've got to mention the Valley Boys pop-up shop from the other day, (laughs) Max. It was uh, a surprising turnout, at least to me, uh, from what I saw online and even some players getting involved and and running through there I saw they all got their own customized hoodies from Kelly as well so that was a bit of a good news story from this week and finally if we jump forward a little bit we play Sacramento, Denver and the LA Clippers to start the season and they'll likely all be done before we come back and podcast next although we hope to pod maybe twice during those first three games Max we'll see how we go.
1: Yeah, we're not going to promise anything. We'd hope to do like a little mini recap of the opening night game if we have a chance to. If not, we'll do a, a recap of all three, like you said. So looking forward to it. Not the easiest start to the season. I think all three of those teams are pretty good. So yep. uh, we'll see about that. But let's go ahead and get into uh, opening night. What do you, David, think the opening night starting five is going to be? Is it, is it set in stone that we thought it was going to be all offseason?
0: I think it is, Max, and there was an interesting quote from uh, Brendan Clean tweeted out this week from Monty Williams who said, Being in that starting lineup at the three spot for us, that's a huge position if he can knock down shots and attack, going to guard the toughest wing every night. I hoped that that would be about Mikael Bridges, Max, but that was about none other than... Kelly Oubre. So I think Rubio, Booker, Oubre, Saric, and Aiton is going to be our opening night, starting five. Do you disagree with that? Maybe in philosophical terms, but maybe not in logical terms?
1: <laughs> I definitely disagree with them doing it. I agree that they're going to do it. Uh, I thought both yeah. Mikel and Oubre had really interesting preseasons. Uh, Oubre was a bit of a disaster at times, but also kind of an engine of the offense at times, which, mm-hmm. lends, which lends more uh, evidence to our argument that he should be on the bench and then helping that unit score. But uh, yep. Mikel also, I, he had moments where he was sort of dominating the game. He looked physically different than he looked last year. Uh, it's, it's very obvious he was in the gym all off offseason. Uh, players always say that, but he, I believe. Um, but he also <laughs> had moments where he kind of did the same thing last, last year, where he was a little deer in the headlights out there. Uh, yep. Some of the three-point shooting was uneven. I know that bothers you. It bothers all of us. Uh, so I don't know. I, I get. I think I get why Monty's going with Oubre in the starting lineup. I just think he wants to have five guys in the floor who are all you know, highly confident NBA basketball players. Um, yep. And I think that's, I think it's probably his reasoning. I think he's worried about Mikael Bridges getting a little deer in headlightsy at times.
0: Yeah. I think that was the main thing that stood out to me from the quote, you know, he mentions the word attack and obviously mm-hmm. knocking down shots, which Kelly and Mikhail didn't do great between the two of them in the preseason, obviously a little bit interrupted for the both of them as well. And that's where we might see Cam a little bit more than what we mm-hmm. expected because, you know, he is a reliable shooter, which the other two can be a little bit streaky. So I think that's going to be the big storyline between the two of them, is kind of who's shooting the better percentages, particularly from outside, because if they're passing up or missing a lot of open shots, Monty might be forced to make a change. But that attacking and the guarding the toughest wing every night, I think ironically, as you said, Bridges looked a hell of a lot stronger and I thought attacked really well at times in Mm. the preseason. But Monty's going to go with the... I guess, older guy, uh, even though he's not that old here in, in Kelly and, and probably loves his confidence and ability to attack. We saw him get to the line a hell of a lot during the preseason, which, as you said, I actually like more in the second unit, but I yeah. think they're probably going to go with him with the starters here. But you look at the first 10 games and and that kind of question about guarding the toughest wing every night. You've got Sacramento, Denver, the Clippers, probably without Paul George. Utah, Golden State, Memphis, Philly, Miami, Brooklyn, and the Lakers, obviously with LA. But, you know, the thing that stood out, you're right, they're gonna be it's a tough, you know, start to the season, but there's not a lot of those star wings in those yeah. ten teams. They're more big heavy, uh, which is another conversation with the starters altogether. But you know, Kelly might not have too many tough assignments, uh, and and a relatively easy uh, start to the season for him in terms of defending every night. Max, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him because I could
1: see them playing Kelly Oubre on the starting the best guard in their team sometimes. Uh, yep. Against Houston, they did that and it worked really well. He actually did a good job on Harden, so I could see that being a thing. Like it won't shock me if we see a little bit of him on De'Aaron Fox. He's not quick enough to stay with Aaron Fox all game, so it's not going to be like his assignment, but I could see him switching over. Not many
0: people huh? are. Yeah, no one is.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. You can't stay with Aaron Fox. But, yeah, I think it's interesting to see that. Yeah, And I think the overall point here with these two guys is that they're both kind of uneven. It's just when Kelly's uneven, when he's in bad, he's still attacking. He's not lost, whereas yeah. McHale can get a little bit lost. Um, so one guy that I thought had a really interesting preseason, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on how he's going to factor in, because he doesn't have an obvious... Uh, spot on this team, but I think his play justifies he you know, he needs to be out there, and that's Frank Kaminsky. He was a bit of a revelation yeah. in preseason. He made probably was the uh, probably the you know the most I don't know about most valuable player, but most impressive player compared to what we thought he was. Um, mm-hmm. The Duke, dude shot the lights out. Dude had an eight assist game. Uh, I thought he competed <laughs> okay on defense, which was a pretty big surprise. He's not good or anything, but he was competing. He kind of looked like somebody who you know the classic in a new place, fresh start guy. Uh, I think he had a quote to that effect. He said something like he feels like a new person, that everything feels different here than it did in Charlotte. So I don't know. How excited are you? Is this a preseason mirage or are you legitimately excited for Frank? And and where do you think he's going to fit in?
0: I mean, I'm excited for Frank. I think, as you said, he had some quotes uh, post leaving Charlotte that he wasn't that happy with kind of how he was used and and Mm. how much time he got and then, yeah, as you said, he's he's had one after the preseason here where he just seems happy. My biggest concern not to kind of beat a dead horse here is is they're playing him as the backup four. And as you look at the rotation, that's where he's going to be getting his minutes. Uh, his eight assists in that Portland game that you mentioned, surprisingly, when I went back through and watched, they were all when he was playing the five. Mm. Uh, his defensive... Um, you know, okay film at time is generally when he's at the five. And I think shooting the ball, he's most effective, uh, you know, drawing the center out as the five as well. So my biggest concern with him is is you've got to find him minutes because he's, he's hot at the moment. He's shooting well. Um, he's playing well across the board and a pretty balanced game. But it actually seemed to be more uh, in those games when Aiton wasn't playing uh, and when he wasn't playing with Baines. You know, they had a little bit of okay chemistry, but he was better when Cam was like a, a stretch four, I guess, and, and also Sharich was playing the four with him as well. So that's going to be a big thing to watch for me for the start of the season is can he, I guess, keep that hot streak going when, you know, he's probably only going to get his minutes at the four. They tinkered with things a little bit more in the preseason, but you'd expect Aiton to, you know, play 32 to 35 minutes a night and for Baines to deserve all those backup five minutes. So, you know, do we get in a tricky spot where, you know, it's one of Baines or Kaminsky playing, which, you know, Baines will get banged up at times and it's going to be great to have Kaminsky as another option there. But yeah, I'm just not sure about his fit at the power forward slot, Max. Yeah, I don't think it's optimal, uh, especially defensively. I think Baines and
1: Kaminsky can be okay offensively together because they can both shoot. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely not optimal. Um, you make a, a key point there, which is Baines is probably not going to stay healthy all season. I, I'd be very surprised if he played 82 games. So there's going to be yes. some time for Frank to slot in at the 5, I think. And, you know, there might be some matchups in some games where it just makes more sense to play Frank than Baines uh, in, in certain lineups. So I, I could see that happening a little bit. Um, it's going to be interesting. I'm glad Monty has options uh, because this is not a team that has had roster options in the past. It's it's fun to talk about uh, a player who impressed us and how he might not be able to find minutes. That's a weird thing in Suns. Like, we, if you impressed yeah, us all for the Suns, you got minutes in, in the old days.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we've said that pretty much since, you know, the July signings is that there is some depth to this team finally. Uh, And you do get injuries and you do get competitiveness. And, you know, one thing for me is, you know, uh, we'll get into it when we get into the full rotation in a bit, but, you know, there's going to be pressure on some guys to perform or lose their spot. And that only means good things for the overall chemistry and and competitiveness of the team. One thing we didn't mention before that I don't think we've really touched on from the preseason, it does kind of tap into that Kelly uh, guarding guards, as you said before, Max, is they've really looked to hide Booker on the worst matchup, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. I, I think it means that we've seen him give more effort in those matchups. Yep. Uh, I tried to highlight things after the last game where he showed a bit of effort. But I think a great point by you where they've got both Mikhail uh, and Kelly to to slot over. They've even got guys like Tyler Johnson and and Rubio's taking most of the point of attack defense as well. But they've really shifted those one to three positions around quite a bit uh, and been willing to cross match guys uh, to get the best out of their defense, which I think uh, is a bit of a shift from last year. You know, Igor not known as a great defensive coach in general, but he also wasn't. Uh, All that creative on that end, I don't think. They kind Mm -hmm. of played teams just pretty much straight up. And uh, that wasn't great for Booker from night to night when he was healthy.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's a great point by you. Uh, You really need to hide Booker, especially because in the preseason, Booker kind of, he didn't have his pedal, you know, fully to the metal. I wouldn't say offensively, but once the regular Mm -hmm. season starts, we're going to be seeing him put up, you know, his customary 20 plus shots. So he's going to be needing to take rest on defense. Um, I hope the effort stays there. I think it'll probably wax and wane. It's just too hard to play defense when you have that kind of load. I, the load will be less than it was before, but it's still going to be a lot. Booker's, I think I saw a lot of people on Twitter a little concerned that Booker wasn't shooting very much. I wouldn't be concerned about
0: that. It's, it's going to change uh, on starting opening night, I would imagine. Yeah, and, and Monty had that great quote after the last game that they were essentially hiding stuff. Uh, and not going with the full package because mm-hmm. they they know what they, they've got with Devin Booker and they wanted to trial some other things, which I think you pointed out quite a lot on the pod uh, and on Twitter. It seemed a lot of that trialing was, uh, you know, Rubio and Aiton's chemistry and making yep. sure they're on the same page. You know, he got a little bit... Um, too short-sighted to to Aiton at times. But who ends games here, Max? If that's the starting five, we're going to get into the full rotation in a bit. But, you know, we've discussed quite a bit that your final lineup will quite often be different to your finishing one. So what do you think is going to be the the optimal end lineup in most games here?
1: Most games, I think it's going to be the Mikel and Uber lineup. Obviously, the Booker, Rubio, and Aiton around. Uh, But I do think it's going to vary a little bit. I would not be surprised to see Monty play, who's playing well. Like, if Tyler Johnson's having a great game, one game wouldn't shock me at all to see him uh, finish a game over Rubio uh, in certain lineups. Um, It wouldn't shock me to see Kaminsky in there sometimes if Kaminsky's hot. Wouldn't shock me to see a lot of things. Honestly, even uh, people are going to hate to hear this. I don't think this is going to happen very often, but it wouldn't shock me if Aiton wasn't out there uh, at the end of certain games if he just... You know, had a a bad game with foul trouble or whatever. I just, I think other than Devin Booker, there's basically no one who's definitely going to be out there every single time to close games. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd almost throw Book in. I I love that you've made this point because the last question I've got here is. Will Monty have the balls to bench Rubio slash Booker slash Hmm. Hayton? He has options. So, you know, Booker's obviously only going to be if you need a defensive stop to end the game. They actually have guys now where Booker just shouldn't be on the court. It's just plain and simple. The only risk that you're running is maybe pissing him off by having him on the bench for a final possession. But that's where the question comes in. You know, will Monty have the balls to do it? I think... As you said, Rubio's the easiest one, you know, if there's a guy like Tyler Johnson that's playing really well to bench. But, yeah, even Ayton, you know, we saw it in the preseason. He didn't take one single three, even after all that talk in the offseason about how he was going to take them. And the offense looked awesome at times with either Baines or Frank at the top of the key drawing the center out. So, yeah, I don't think we can rule it out that if they need a three or they need a bucket... Aiton might be the guy that needs to be sat at the end of the game, and that's just the cold hard facts until he is a knockdown guy, because both Baines and Frank are showing that they're, they're pretty capable of hitting that top of the, the key three, at least, and, and stretching the offense out a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I don't want listeners to freak out. They, people, people already think we're too low on Aiton. We're not saying that this is going to be a commonplace <laughs> thing. It may not even happen. It just strikes us both as a possibility. Uh, let's go into the rotation a little bit. Uh, you have down here, I may have missed his quote that Monty
0: said that there should be a 10 man rotation. Um, so yeah. outside of, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So he's made two comments here. He's made a top four comment, uh, around there being a, a core four, but he left it kind of open-ended and said, he's got to figure it out. So not necessarily saying he knows who the core four are and, uh, that he wants two of those core four to be on the court at all times, which kind of helps out our stagger argument that we've been banging on about a bit. But yeah, pretty much since the the day that preseason started, he's also mentioned a, a 10-man rotation, which is interesting. It means that at least one or two guys that we saw pretty regular in the preseason are going to miss out if he sticks to that, Max. Yeah, I think it's going
1: to be, like we've been saying, kind of a theme of the podcast now. It's going to be who's playing well, I think, who's going to get the minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the most interesting thing is going to be to see uh, what are Cam Johnson and Ty Jerome do i i kind of feel like the way he's going to play that is to have them get you know little early second quarter stints and if they're good they get to come back and if they're bad they don't would be my guess um at Mm -hmm. least to start to see what he has in them one of them may play themselves into you know being a regular part of the rotation one of them may play themselves into not being a part of the regular rotation but as far as the core four thing goes i mean he may not
0: definitively know but my guess it's got to be rubio booker Ubre and ayton right I would think so. You know, you kind of go with your four most important players and, you know, I had it down here to ask who you think that is. I think we probably both agree that Bridges, you know, should have a chance to be in there as the fourth guy. The thing that really kind of piqued my attention before we then got the quote about Kelly as the starting three was, you know, it would be a good way to kind of feed Kelly's ego a little bit by having him come off the bench but tell him he's, you know, part of the core four and is going to be one of four guys that are on the court at all times basically and you know what we saw in the preseason with him willing to attack as the I guess lead guy in a second unit I, I still think that would be the smarter way to go even though we're saying that's probably not going to happen here but yeah I think your point is valid on on Cam and Ty you know I've got cam in the 10 man rotation right now and tie out of it i'm sorry to you and all the tiger mm, room fans out there but the, the the one note that i've got is you know he'll be putting a ton of pressure on tyler johnson which i just didn't expect before the preseason started and you know, i think tyler probably gets it you know as the vet so to speak you know he Ty, uh, Ty Jerome had some problems with turnovers and things, which you'd expect from a, a rookie point guard coming into his first season. You know, I was banging on all last season. I think, you know, Tyler Johnson had 40 assists to, to 10 turnovers or something in his 12 games for the Sun. So he kind of protects the ball. So I can see Monty going with the, you know, more surefire, safe guy to start with. But, you know, who do you think's at, at the biggest risk of falling out of the rotation? I've got four names here, Tyler, Sharich, frank and baines is it is it tyler is he kind of on the outside looking in just when you look at most of the depth guys are guards i'll say that i don't think
1: any of those guys is at a very large risk of falling out of the rotation at all i think uh, yeah tyler johnson's probably the one but this team is going to be looking for consistent steady play out of its complementary players that's going to be the number yeah. one thing they're going to care about so i agree with you i think it makes more sense to have cam in the rotation right away because cam you know, he's going to have nights where he's quiet, but you can trust him to shoot. You can trust him to apparently be in the right place on defense is what we're learning, which is nice. Uh, yep. So I, I just think, you know, you're going to get more steadiness out of him. Ty Jerome, higher upside than, than Tyler Johnson, for sure. Because Ty Jerome's actually kind of a real point guard. Um, <laughs> yes. But like you said, at this stage of his career, he's going to be way up and down. And the Suns just can't afford a lot of up and down. They're going to be playing a lot of these games on the margins. You know, they're going to be in a lot of close games, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, so, they're, they're going to have to play guys who are not going to lose them games. And I think that's going to be uh, Tyler Johnson. I think early on, Ty Jerome is not going to be that. But I'm hopeful for improvement. And that's why I think it, he does have the best chance of displacing uh, Tyler Johnson from the rotation. Just because I could, you know, as, as smart as Ty Jerome is, I could see him uh, making marked improvements very quickly.
0: Yeah, a lot of deep teams in those first 10 games as well that we mm-hmm. ran over before. You know, teams like Denver, the Clippers, um... Philly, Miami, you know, a lot of vet guys in the second unit. So I could definitely see them going with uh, the more surefire option. But that's going to be a storyline to watch early on in the season because, you know, if Tiger Own plays how he did uh, in the preseason, he's going to be asking for minutes for Monty. It may even mean that Monty has to change his stance a little bit on the 10-man rotation or, as you said, be a little bit more flexible game-to-game and kind of ride the hot hands for certain guys and it's just going to mean that some guys have to sit but what's your favorite lineup max if we kind of think about a a five-man lineup that we could get thrown out there in these first 10 games what's a lineup you you want to see the suns use because they have a little bit of depth that they can play around with now it might be defensive uh, might be you know a spread offense type lineup What, what are you looking forward to I think my favorite lineup, just to see
1: it, it, it'd be a terrible defensive lineup, but it's kind of an all offense shooting lineup. I would love to see uh, Tiger Rome, as you like to call him now, uh, Devin Booker, (laughs) Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Frank Kaminsky.
0: I I mean, that team would be really, really, really good on offense, David. That's how you get back to, you know, 24 threes again, maybe uh, as a possibility of breaking that Portland Uh, one from from the preseason because, yeah, you just look at it. I was looking at some pick-and-roll stuff with with Cam Johnson's three so far in the preseason, and you kind of run a pick-and-roll with Cam on the weak side of the floor. And then I think in the ones that I was watching, it was Tyler Johnson uh, and Frank on the strong side, it's just impossible to guard the pick and roll, even if, you know, if it's Aiton rolling or Baines rolling towards the rim, because Cam Johnson was the one just getting wide open three looks and he's going to hit most of them uh, if you don't go out there and guard him. And if you do go out there and guard him and and not go and tag the big, then, you know, one thing we have been very positive with DeAndre Aiton on is, you know, when he rolls uh, and his touch on the roll Once he gets the ball, it's pretty much a bucket every single time. So you know that's going to be really interesting to watch. As you said, they've got some shooters now, so they can throw some really dangerous lineups out there that that I think will actually benefit DeAndre Ayton more than anything. You know, he didn't have that benefit last year. Teams started to sag off Ariza Anderson at the start of the year. You know, that would have been a big reason why. Uh, Aiton didn't get the ball a lot of the time. You know, a yeah. lot of people were frustrated at the point guard situation or at Igor for not getting him the ball. But it was also just the way the defense was allowed to play us because we were, you know, one of the worst shooting teams, if not the worst, I think, three-point shooting team by the end of the season. So a very welcome change to this roster, I think, Max.
1: Yeah, at this stage of his career, Aiton is a dependent player offensively. You can't, He doesn't just face up and, and create, you know, offense on his own. Uh, you can yep. go and do the post a little bit, but you still have... It's actually, uh, as the Suns guards proved last season, can be difficult to get the ball into the post in the NBA sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the fact that he has good guard play around him, and not just good guard play around him, but guys like Sarich, guys like Cam Johnson, as you pointed out, guys who are just smart basketball players who can make the right pass, it's going to help yeah. him a lot because he is not able to uh, run an offense on his own. Uh, so let's go ahead and go on to the rest of the... So I have a question for you, David. Because this, this this guy, Javon Carter, he played a lot in the preseason. He played yes. a lot, David. Um, he is not a point guard. He is just not. I don't know what he is. I guess he's like a defensive specialist, and, uh, you know, one-position defensive specialist, who yep. is, I guess, not a total train wreck on offense, although he kind of is. Um, do you think they were playing him that much to just see what they had in him? Or how much are we going to see from him an uh, opening night? Is he going to be like a 20-minute game guy? Because that's not going to be something I want to see, David.
0: Yeah, it's it's a bit of a concern. It's definitely the other note that I had down with those, I guess, outside looking in guys being Tiger Rome, Carter, Diallo, Lequeu, and Acobo. Mm-hmm. Again, essentially the five guys that aren't going to be a part of this 10-man rotation, at least in my opinion. If Carter's playing over Jerome, I'll be devastated because I just mm-hmm. think that that's not the move that should be getting made. Definitely to extend it out to eleven man rotation. We didn't see a lot of Tyler Johnson either through injury uh, yeah. or just you know poor form in a couple of his games. So I do think the Carter thing was uh, getting him reps in case you know we have a bad point guard situation to start the season. You know, say Rubio goes down for a bit, Tyler Johnson's not quite right to start the season, and they are leaning on Tiger Roman and Carter a little bit more. They wanted him to have the reps running the offense, but like you, I didn't love you know, what I saw in terms of him running the offense. He's a great defender uh, and and knocked down some shots at times too, which is great, uh, but probably just had a little bit too much confidence in his shot-making ability uh, and is just kind of a step behind on Reeds as a point guard, which is not what this team needs when they're trying to spread the floor and, and get the ball pinging around a little bit. So yeah, I hope we don't see him. It was a little bit alarming that he got so much time and it wasn't just kind of second-half Running out their stuff, um, I can understand that Monty might have fallen in love with him a little bit as a defensive guy. Particularly when you look up and down this roster, one uh, you know concern is the lack of defense from position to position. So you know I would hope that his role on this team is that you you know throw him out for ten minutes a night, maybe maximum, to just wreak havoc on uh, an opposition guard that is. You know, a De'Aaron Fox or, you know, someone to just throw them off their groove a little bit. But, you know, I would hope that we won't be seeing him as part of the the regular rotation to start the season, Max.
1: Yeah, my issue with him is he's obviously a tenacious one-on-one defender, but he's not somebody you throw in and all of a sudden your defense is good. He can guard one guy. If the rest of your team is bad at defense, your, your team's going to be bad at defense. Javon Carter's not going to make the difference there. So I think mm-hmm. this team's really gonna have to be good, really good offensively. That's really their only chance to be uh, you know, a thirty plus win NBA team. And yeah. you know, the, every minute Javon Carter's out there, I think, is gonna be uh, a damper on the offense. I mean, you know, we saw in I don't remember which preseason game it was, but the one where Ty Jerome sort of took over the offense in the fourth quarter and looked incredible, uh yeah. at, at the pick and roll. You're just not gonna get that at Javon uh, Carter. He's just not that kind of player. Um and that's why I think we, you know, developing Actually, and also Ty, Ty Jerome, not a good defender, David. He competed too.
0: He did. And he's got, you know, size, which is one thing yes. that Carter doesn't have. You know, he's basically six foot. Uh, t- you know, Ty Jerome's six foot five. He's, he's literally, you know, basically the same size as Devin Booker, who, mm-hmm. again, not a great defender. But when you have size and you show effort, there there is a little bit that you can do out there. Carter, as you said, I think perfect point by you. Uh, if you're throwing him out there to play defense, it, it probably means bad things. You might just want him to pick up 94 feet, you know, for a couple of possessions. But, no. you know, he he was the the worst player in terms of the .5 offense that keeps getting talked about uh, <laughs> it, amongst this rotation. He wasn't the guy that was pinging it around. He played hero ball a, a little bit too much, and, you know... I. You know, If he sticks, great. He's a great option to have, but when we're already having problems sticking to this 10-man rotation that Monty seems to want to roll out there, I certainly don't want him beating any of the guys out that I've got in the 10-man lineup right now, uh, and then that doesn't even include Tiger Ohm, who I would throw in there for sure over Carter. So, yeah, that's going to be one to watch in these first few games, Max. Hopefully, next pod we're not complaining after the the Sacramento mini pod that we might do that Carter was the first card off the bench. Oh god.
1: I don't want to be living that world, David. <laughs> uh all right, let's get down to it. How many games, David, will the Phoenix Suns win
0: this season? <laughs> Well, Monty has been a uh, quote machine this week because he even made a, a, a comment about, you know, if you're not playing for the playoffs, what are you playing for? Which I kind of love, you know, you got to yeah. fight for it. And, you know, I think he said people won't be around him too long if that's not what you're fighting for, which I, I love. So I'm going to stick with a, a prediction that I threw out a little while ago when Zona uh, asked everyone for one of his articles. I'm going to stick with 33, but... The more interesting question for me which I'll let you answer after you give your total is what's the kind of variance from floor to ceiling here because I've it's wide for me Max mm. I, I would go as low as you know probably 26 27 and I if you get me on a good day I could go all the way up to 40
1: Yeah, I was going to say 40 is the high end, too. Um, I could even see it get a little worse than that if there's a lot of injury problems, especially if it's involving Rubio and Booker. If those two Mm -hmm. miss extended time, especially together, it's going to be a bit of a disaster. So, you know, let's just say, you know, normal injury luck variants. I'd say, you're probably about right, I'd say 25 to 40. Um, it's hard to see them in this conference getting above 40. If they were in the East, I would say they could get 45. They could just shock some teams. There's a lot of bad teams in the East. We'll get to that later in our conference preview. The East is terrible. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to go 35 for them as a prediction. I'm, I'm pretty high on them. Um, I yep. just think their bench is going to be kind of good, David. I think that's one of the things that killed them so much uh, in the past couple of seasons is their bench was just it was just atrocious. They didn't have good players there. They had G-Leaguers and guys who should have been in the NBA. They had Jamal Crawford coming in. Josh Jackson. Oh, it totally killed them. It would just it just murdered them every single time. So now sometimes their benches are going to be better than their starters. That's going to happen sometimes, and it's just it's going to be so much different. It's going to lead to them not having these giant uh, you know gulfs to dig themselves out of. And then at the end of the day, it's just going to come down to you know luck in close games. And I I just mm-hmm. like them in close games. I think I like Devin Booker in close games. Uh, he's a, you know he's one of the better closers in the NBA. You just don't you know, see it that often, but he generally is. I think at the Orlando game, uh, you know, or a couple of Memphis games I can think of where he's hit big shots on the stretch. The guy's money at the end of games yeah. and I just think that's going to get us some of those you know marginal wins push pushes up to 35 but you know I, there's not really much of a difference between 33 and 35 David
0: <laughs> yeah but it is interesting we are going to get into this when we when we look at the west but you know I think naturally people won't care about the final win total at the end of the year they're going to look at where we sit as an overall seed yeah uh, and you know whether we were competitive every night based on what we saw last year where where that just wasn't the case but you know from 33 all the way up to 40 you know and we will get into it that could place you anywhere in the bottom seven teams in the west or maybe on the doorstep um, of the playoffs so you know that's going to be really interesting to watch there's going to be storylines galore you know I think for me the biggest I guess factor other than maybe Booker's health is probably Aiton you know I've been Mm. pretty hard on him this week and have copped a a lot of hate on Twitter for pointing a few things out that people haven't, you know, really liked, but you know, his play is going to be a massive, you know, reason to whether the sun's a, a 30 wins or, or 40 wins, I think. So, you know, that's why I'm really hard on him to anyone that's listening. It's because I actually think he can be a massive factor on this team. If he plays hard every night and I actually really like his ability to, to raise the Suns ceiling. But other than that, it's also, you know, there's still not a lot of vets on this team. You know, they went out and got Rubio and, and Baines, which adds to the the very much older guys on this roster. But there's still a group of, you know, Saric, Frank, Ubre, and even Tyler Johnson that have only had... You know, between three and five years in the NBA, and you know, you're not going to count on the rookies to raise your ceiling. I wouldn't have thought, and you're probably not going to count on the vets, even though we know Rubio is is really going to raise things from a point guard play perspective. But you know, any improvement that they get out of that middle tier of guys is is probably where that leap's going to come from, Max.
1: Yeah, I think those guys. I see them as being the reason why we win 35. Like that's the floor. That, that's what makes us a reasonable yeah. NBA team. And you're you're, you're dead on with. Uh, DeAndre Ayton. I mean, if this team won 50 games, like it's not going to say it happened. The reason why is because Ayton would be an all-star or near all-star. That's the only way that happens because then you have Booker and Ayton as two stars and that's what you need in the West to get up into that kind of range because look at the teams. Look at the teams that we're going to go over pretty soon, the whole conference. The teams that are one (laughs) through six or so, they have two stars. Or three. Um, Well, not three anymore. The, the, The era of three is dead, David. But uh, they have two, and uh, the Suns don't have two right now. And and the most likely candidate by far to be second for them is Ayton. I guess you'd say McKel or Oubre is kind of you know the next people up to be the stars. But yep. it's it's got to be yep. the big man. It's got to be. And also, it, it not only that, not only does he have the most potential, but also his weakness is the fundamental Suns weakness that anchor you know anchoring that interior of our defense. If he can't do that at a reasonable level, they're just their ceiling is just capped. It just is. You can't you yeah. can't win a lot of games yeah. in the NBA if your center
0: can't play defense. Yeah, you, t- you talk about luck at the end of close games, you know, luck does come into a lot of it with shots either, you know, falling in or out, but you know, you've you've also got to get stops and and he's yeah. going to be the guy that a lot of the time, whether people hate it or not, he's anchoring that defense and in he's going to be the last line of it. So even if someone else makes a mistake first, you're going to be looking for him to clean some stuff up. You mentioned the Orlando game before. There were a lot of mistakes from other guys on defense, particularly Devin Booker in that game, and Ayton cleaned everything up, and that's how they ended up winning that game. So yeah. hopefully we see a little bit more of that from DeAndre Aiton this season, uh, or else we're going to get into some more heated arguments online. But... First 10 games, Max, before we round this one out. Yep. I want you to give me a win-loss total (laughs) run through them (laughs) one by one. So we've got Sacramento at home. Uh, It's got to be a win if this is going to look reasonable, so I'll say win. Uh, Denver
1: away. There's no chance they win that game, David. The Clippers at home without Paul George. Yeah, even without Paul George, we'll get into this. They're just going to be so deep and good. uh, That's a loss, David. Utah at home. Uh, It's a loss, David Golden State away You know what? I'm going to give a surprise win here Golden State's going to be a really high variance team Because they're just going to be all reliant on their shooting So I'll I'll give them a win there
0: Memphis away Let's give it a win Philly at home Ooh, that's a loss Miami at home
1: Hmm. I'm going to say loss, David I really like Miami Brooklyn at home give them a win there. I think Brooklyn's gonna, a lot of people think they're gonna start fast. I think they're gonna start
0: a little slow and then heat up. I agree with that. And the Lakers at home, there's a bit of a, a home streak here to start the season. Uh, what do you got for that one? I
1: feel similarly about the Lakers. the Nets. I think it's gonna take them a little while to get going, but I still think we're gonna lose
0: because they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yep. Well, that's four and six with a, a positive view on things, I think, Max. So, Point there is it is a pretty hard start to the season, but there oh, yeah. are some winnable games uh, and a chance to get on a bit of a streak at home, which would be great. You know, every coach mentions it. I know Igor even mentioned it last year. You got to protect home court. so even some of those tougher games that you know they'll be able to make a an, an bit of a name for themselves if they can beat some of those teams uh, on their home floor, Max.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they have one nice thing about it: it's an insanely tough schedule, but they do play some of those new teams that might be still be gelling. So that is... Oh, they're kind of a new team too, David, so I don't know how much of an advantage that is. But uh, maybe they can uh, sneak up with some guys. But anyway, let's go on to uh, Did You Know before
0: we get into our league-wide preview. Let's do it, Max. The other day when the Suns hit 24 threes against Portland, it came up that it would have been a record for the franchise had it happened in the regular season. So Did You Know, the record for the Suns for made threes in a real NBA game is 22. It was on November 14, 2010, and couldn't have happened against a better team, a win over the Los Angeles Lakers. But Mm -hmm. before we get into that, a few more fun facts around the whole NBA when it comes to three-pointers. The NBA record for made threes is currently held by the Houston Rockets from just last season. Any guesses on what the amount of threes made is, Max? uh, 27? Hey, right on the money. I think I heard that during the Portland game. <laughs> <laughs> we'll allow it anyway. Uh, it came last season on April 7 against none other than the Phoenix Suns, where almost Phoenix son Eric Gordon recorded a career-high eight makes to lead the team. The most combined made threes also came last season, this time on January 16, where the Warriors with 24 and the Pelicans with 19 made a combined hmm. 43 for the game. Funnily enough, on the exact same day, the Rockets broke the record for three point attempts, launching up a total of 70 Jeez in a loss to the Nets <laughs> in overtime 145 to 142. And despite the Nets only taking 36, the combined amount of 106 is still the most combined taken threes by two teams in an NBA game today. Max, what do you think is the most three point attempts in a game by a team without making one?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Uh, let's go with 22.
0: Well, wow, on the money again, really? the Nuggets <laughs> wow. in 2012 against the Blazers where surprise surprise they lost. The biggest culprit yeah. was Andre Iguodala going 0 of sec- 0 of 6, I should say. And sidebar here, Max, where does Iggy end up this season? I'm guessing the Clippers. Yep, I agree with that. All right, so back to that record-breaking Suns team in 2010 now, Max. It was November 14, 2010, as I mentioned before, and the five and four Suns were visiting the Lakers who had begun eight and two that season. The score, when it was all said and done, 121 to 116, Max. Six Suns contributed to the 22 threes from 40 attempts, A very impressive spread for an impressive shooting percentage of 55% for the game. Being 2010, we're essentially in the post-7 seconds or less era with some players left over. So I want you to tell me who the six players who hit threes in that game were, or at least a couple of them, Max. Okay, Steve Nash. Took just three threes on his way to 21 points, making two for the game. Channing Fry was he still around? He was four of nine from downtown and shout out to Channing for saying Devin Booker is his favorite player to watch just the other day on Twitter. Love seeing that. Alan Williams doubled down. That was great. Yep. Um, let's go with Jared Dudley. Yep. JMZ only played 14 minutes, got up five from deep and made sure he made just one of those to feature in this segment. Jason Richardson, was he still on the team? He had a game-high 35 points and won an impressive 7 of 10 from deep, Max. You're on a roll here. Two more to go. Two more. Was Dragic, Dragic, Sorry about Sorry pronunciation, people. Came off the bench in this one to take five threes and make three of them. And you have one left. I'd be very impressed if you got it. But, hey, you're on a roll, so maybe you can do it for us. Oh, uh, man. I'm going to say... Turkaglu Was it the other team then? Whoa! Turkaglu went 5 of 7 for the Suns in what was actually his high in the purple and orange. And you have gone 6 for 6. And I believe 8 of 8 for the whole segment. This is definitely my best digital performance. You know I'm like the Suns against the Trailblazers <laughs> in preseason right now. Max, five other sons took the court in that game with only one of them attempting a three but not making it. That player was Grant Hill. I almost had him. (laughs) (laughs) I won't throw the final harsh question your way and instead, I'll tell you and the listeners the other four who didn't attempt a three in that game were Robin Lopez, Hakeem Warwick... Josh Childress, and Garrett Siler. Now, Max, I will leave you and the listeners with one more thing from this game and then something from the current roster as well. Steve Nash had 13 assists in this one. So a two-part question for you. Firstly, how many of his 13 assists do you think were for threes? Oh, God. Uh, Let's say eight. Ooh, very close. The total assists matched his famous number 13, and the assists for threes match our famous number on this pod, which is, of course, seven. Mm. Second question, if I told you those seven assists went to just two players that you mentioned before, Jay Rich, Hedo, Fry, Goran, and Dudley, and, of course, he can't assist himself, which two players would you choose? Hedo and Frye. Ooh, four of Richardson's seven made threes were di- off direct Nash passes. And you got one right with three of Hito's five. Finally, Max, there are four rookies on this roster. And as we know, Aiton also has never made a three so far in his NBA career. But you may see where this is going. As we know... And has long been discussed on Suns Twitter and elsewhere, Devin Booker can't quite get over the hump of six (laughs) made threes in a game as his career high. But Max, to end, I want you to tell me which three current Suns all share that high of six at the moment and which Sun leads all of them with his own record of eight makes in a game. Um, I'm going to guess Rubio Randle has one of those. Rubio is one of the three that have six. There's two more of those. Uh, Frank? Yep, and one more to go. Mm,
1: I don't think Aaron Baines ever made that many. I'll go with... uh, Shoot,
0: you got me some tears a little bit, David. Uh, Tyler Johnson. Wow, you are absolutely killing it in this segment. Now, I'll give you a small clue. Who's the very surprise guy who went eight for 12... In April last year, for another team against the Warriors, and therefore has the record uh, amongst the current Suns. Against the Warriors, how do I not remember this, man? I am drawing a blank, David. My my performance is over. It was a deep April game where Javon Carter went oh my eight God. for twelve. Against you could have given me twenty five guesses, I wouldn't have gotten there. <laughs> <laughs> so Max, I'll list them out for you and the listeners to end. Did you know this week in running order the current Suns career highs make makes are as follows carter eight booker rubio johnson and frank six dario kelly and mikhail five okobo three baines two and diallo one for a total of 53 but as you know we're at episode 65 so i'm going to give you the 12 threes here to make up the difference and to end the segment i want you to divide that 12 between cam ty jerome and Aiton to round out the roster. When the season is all said and done, what will the game-high three-point makes for each of those guys be and bonus points if you can get it to add up to 12, Max?
1: Um, I actually think we can probably get there because I think Cam's going to get seven in the game. Um, yeah, I, th- I could see that. Uh, let's say Ty gets four. I could see that too. Um, so
0: I only need one more. Yep. I'll, do, I'll give, I'll give Aiton one. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, well, I, I believe off the top of my head, Cam's seven makes in his college career is the best he's done. And I mm-hmm. think Ty maybe made six. So you, you're pretty on the money there. And and Aiden, let's hope he makes one for the sake of uh, Suns <laughs> fans that, that want to see him take and make one in the NBA this season. But that is it for Did You Know This Week, Max?
1: I'm issuing a challenge to Mr. Devin Booker right now. You cannot let Javon Carter have a higher career three-point Mason. You just can't <laughs> let that stand. I need to see ten out of you this season, Booker, in one game. Come on, let's let's see it. Uh, all right, David. Let's move into our league-wide preview. We're going to start with the Western Conference, the conference closest to our hearts. Uh, I think what we're going to do this maybe give like yeah, should we do three at a time, four at a time, and then and then talk about
0: what we think. Um, yeah, well, I've got, I've got them in, in little groups here, but mostly three or four at a time. So I think we can, we can roll with that. Oh, you give me your group starting from, let's start from the bottom. Um, and then I will tell you if I have any differences. Let's do it that way. All right. Well, I have one giant group from the bottom in the West here, Max, which was my main overarching point here that I was alluding to before with the Suns is, you know, it's really hard to see any of these teams um, you know, separating themselves from the pack, particularly early on. So I'll go three at a time so you can match up here with me. I've got Memphis last in the West. Uh, I've got a bit of a surprise one with OKC 14th and Minnesota 13th, Max.
1: That's hilarious. I have the Grizzlies last 25 wins, the Timberwolves second to last 30 wins, and the OKC Thunder... Third to last, 33. So we see it pretty close, I think. I think maybe... Uh, I'm having a little lower on the Grizzlies than you.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I just think, you know, they, they're clear the worst team in the league. Minnesota, maybe. In I'm the gonna West. A <laughs> <out> <laughs> I'm going to clarify that there. They're the worst team in the West, yes. clearly. <laughs> yes, yes, sorry. Uh, you know, Minnesota maybe have the best player in this kind of yeah. grouping of, of non-playoff teams. Uh, I'll throw that at you now, quickly. How many players... Are better than Devin Booker uh, in the bottom tier of your teams. I've got Carl Anthony Towns, and I'm not sure I can find a second one. Max,
1: closest one would be Chris Paul. Um, yeah, maybe, but I think I don't think I would, I don't think so. So I would go, yeah, just just Towns. And uh, listen, um, it won't shock me if Booker starts getting in that conversation this uh, this season. I should say that.
0: Yeah, and that that's a great segue for OKC as well, because I'm actually really high on their current roster and I could see them actually being a bit of a plucky surprise team, but I just expect Presti to, you know, hit the eject button at some point and, and tank them all the way down by the, the end of the season. So that's why they're super low. Uh, it just makes so much sense, right? And things. they also have
1: guys people want, right? They have Galinari, they have Adams. Those guys are going to draw interest, and then obviously the Chris Paul thing could happen. But yeah, it yeah. just makes too much sense for them. They're, they are a rebuilding mode. They're building around Shea Gilders-Alexander. Like they, they need to get rid of Chris Paul at some point. It just makes all the sense in the world. I know they want to. It's just not the yeah. easiest thing to do because his contract's so big. But uh, yeah, I agree with you, though. I think if they kept this roster all season long, I actually would have them a little higher. I might have them around 40 wins because I just think it's a really mm-hmm. good roster. But yeah, it's not going
0: to be the same thing uh, in February. Yeah, I agree. Now, 12th through 9th here, I've got Phoenix, Sacramento, Dallas, and the New Orleans Pelicans just missing out on the playoffs, Max. And the only thing I'll say there is I think there's scenarios where Phoenix could be better than this entire group of non-playoff teams, which was actually a bit of a surprise to me when I sat down to to kind of write these ranking, rankings out. So even though I have them in 12th, I think we're gonna see really close bunches here. I think last year 39 wins got you the ninth seed, 36 yeah. wins got you the eleventh seed, and 33 wins got you anywhere between 12th and 14th. So that pretty much is in line with my win prediction total of 33, but you know, that high variance total that I gave in terms of their ceiling, as I said, I could see them being the ninth best best team in the West.
1: Yeah, uh, me too. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be close. I actually have Suns 12 as well, but I have them a little mm-hmm. closer to the OKC range. I have them at 35 wins, as I said before. And the next three teams I actually have all in the 40s, low 40s. Uh, and, yep. then I them, and then we'll get to it later, but my, my next three teams are all in the low 40s too. So I just think this is going to be this massive group here. Uh, I have yeah. Pelicans 11th at 40 wins. Before the Zion news, I would have had them in the playoffs. I'm just nervous yeah. about him. I just don't think he's going to stay healthy this season. Uh, it sucks so much. It makes me so sad because I think that was going to be the most fun team in the league. And maybe they still will be, but man, opening night, not having Zion
0: in that first game. How much of a bummer is that, David? That's rough. That's rough. Uh, um, they're probably pretty glad that they already sold that one out many weeks ago. I'm yeah. pretty sure. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, everyone was was waiting for Zion. I think that's going to be a storyline all year. Hopefully not all his career. But, yeah, yeah I, I maybe would have even thought about keeping J.J. Reddick's playoff streak alive uh, and putting him in the playoffs if, if Zion was healthy to start the season. Did you know that he's never missed the playoffs, Max? <laughs> Zion or J.J. Redick? <laughs> yeah, J.J. Redick has never missed mean. the playoffs. It's That ridiculous. is pretty damn
1: impressive on three different teams. That's actually amazing. Um, all right, I'll oh, yeah. go into my number 10. My number 10 is a surprise, David. I have the Portland Trailblazers at number 10 with 42 wins. Ooh. And I have the Dallas Mavericks I... at number 9
0: also with 42 wins. I like it. I like it. I've snuck Portland in and they're in a little group which we can get into here in a minute. But yeah, I think they're really vulnerable and super thin if you look at their kind of ins and outs. So uh, yeah, they're only one bad luck thing to start the season away from uh, falling right uh, where you've got them, I think, Max. So I think that's a great call. I didn't have the balls to do it. But uh, yeah, I think you're right on the money in terms of their vulnerability at the at the bottom of those rankings in the West.
1: I didn't want to do it because I, I just trust in Dame and CJ so much, but they don't really have a small forward, David. <laughs> like, I guess Kitten Baysmore kind of, but man, that team, their, <laughs> wing, their wings, Like I don't—I think people underrate how much Aminu and Harkless did for them. Neither one's yeah. like a superstar or anything, but they, you know, they just give you a lot of depth. Uh, they don't have that anymore. And also the white side thing, I, I don't like Hassan Whiteside. Uh, if Nurkic were going to be healthy all season, I would feel a lot better about this team. Uh, man, I think their defense is going to suck. Uh, it's going to take a lot from Damon and CJ. If they suffer a Damian and CJ or injury, they're going to be in trouble. Um, and then the Mavericks, yeah, and, and, I want to... You know, oh, go ahead. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it doesn't, you know, look good for them at the, at the end with the postseason, even if they do sneak in because, yeah. you know, Damon and CJ, as you said, are going to have a, a massive load during the season.
1: Yeah, and then um, the Mavericks, I like Luca. I like, like Porzingis. I don't like very much else. Uh, a good question was brought up <laughs> on the Bill Simmons podcast and their over-under podcast about who's the third best player in the Dallas Mavericks. It's really hard to find that out. I don't know. They, yep. they said Seth Curry. I don't think it's Seth Curry. If it's Seth Curry, they're in trouble. But uh, we'll see. Luka and Porzingis are going to need to play near 82 games and be awesome if this team like making the playoffs. But
0: I have them 42
1: right below my next team at 43,
0: so I don't think they're that far off. Yeah, I mean, I think the argument's probably there for Tim Hardaway Jr., which is just <laughs> as gross. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. The top two, really good. Porzingis, health, obviously, the main thing to watch there. Um, but, yeah, I, I had them in 10th as well. So we're pretty much on the same page here uh, outside of, I guess, you having a, another team in the playoffs and, and Portland out of it.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I'll go ahead and go to my grouping next three. Uh, so I have the Kings at 43 wins in the playoffs. I have the Spurs yep. at 43 wins as a 7th seed. And I have the Warriors with 44 wins, 6th seed. So I really see these teams bunched up.
0: I know you want the Kings and you have the Blazers in, but are you are you kind of similar here? Yeah, so I've got uh, the Spurs 8th, Portland 7th, and the Golden State Warriors 6 I've actually got the Warriors in my next grouping, which we'll get to in a minute. But yeah, Portland and the Spurs together at 7 and eight. Uh, as I said before, just didn't have the balls to write either of them off. But I think the Spurs look pretty vulnerable in terms Mm -hmm. of age. Uh, You know, you can lean on your vets, but they can also come back to bite you a little bit. Uh, So they might be leaning on guys like DeJounte Murray and Derek White a little bit too much during the season. Uh, And we've already gone over Portland, just super thin. So I think they're one, you know, as I said, injury or something away from falling out of the playoffs and things being wide open at the bottom of the West. Uh, and I agree with you, Golden State 6, which I can, I guess, segue into to my next one. Uh, I've got the Lakers 5th and the Clippers 4th. So that grouping there, they're all kind of health-permitting teams and, and nightmare low-seed matchups come playoff oh, time. Uh, if, if, you know, the Clippers, the Lakers, and Golden State Warriors are sitting in those kind of 4 through 6 spots. You know, all healthy, who have you got? You know, when the playoffs come, Max, out of those three teams, who's the most dangerous? Uh, the Clippers, definitely. And we'll get, we'll get to some, yeah. like, uh, playoff and
1: also title predictions later, but uh, I like yeah. the Clippers. I'll say that. Um, the I want to say one quick thing on the Spurs. I don't like their roster very much. I just, I'm just i not picking against the Spurs to like the playoffs, David. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> yeah. <very laughs> uh, exactly. I have, and also the one thing on the Warriors real quick, they're fascinating. They're, like, the most fascinating team in the whole league to me. I just can't wait to see what D'Angelo Russell looks like on that team. Uh, I really wanted to see if Marquise Chris is actually going to play a role on that team. Because that would be (laughs) hilarious. Uh, We'll see about that. I'm still skeptical, David. Uh, But I share... You had Lakers 5, right? I did. I have Lakers 5 as well. I have them with 50 wins. Uh, So this is my... It really jumps up here for me. And then I Mm -hmm. have the Nuggets 4th with 53 wins. Um, I like that both these teams... A lot. Uh, I actually think the Lakers more as a, as a playoff team and the Nuggets more as a regular season team. And, yeah. you know, th- those are high win totals. I think the Lakers will, if they, anytime Andy Davis or LeBron doesn't play, they're going to be in a lot of trouble because their roster sucks besides those two. But, you know, on the other hand, those two are ridiculous. And I don't know if you catch any of their preseason, David, but they are going to be good together. I'm going to go ahead and spoil <laughs> They're going to be good together. So that's going to be uh, fearsome. They could be anybody. And then the Nuggets are, they're just kind of a machine at this point in offense. I may have even kind of undersold them a little bit. Uh, I just like the other teams even better. But yeah, that, that's going to be a good team.
0: Yeah, I kind of alluded to this before, but you know, my top three teams I probably like less in the playoffs than, than my next three with the Clippers, mm. Lakers, and a fully healthy Warriors team. So yeah, it, it really comes down here to where we're ranking, I guess how the season itself is going to play out with the, yep. the overall playoff seedings. And then, you know, as you said, you're going to throw to some questions which might help me bump up or pump up the tires of a few of these teams that I've ranked lower. I just think the Clippers will you know rest Paul George and, and Kawhi quite a bit. The Lakers, as you said, will, would be smart to do the same with LeBron and Davis at times. So they're peaking at the right end. So I've got Utah 3. I had uh, Denver, who I believe you had at 4, as my number 2 team. And I've got Houston as the regular season champions uh, in the West, Max.
1: Not far off from you. I have the Jazz third with 54 wins, so just above the Nuggets. Then I have the Clippers in there with 55 wins. I think that might surprise the people. The reason why I did that is because this team without Kawhi and Paul George won, what, like 48 last season? <laughs> that uh, was really fucking good. Yeah, they, they don't really need those guys to, to win games. I mean, they need them to be elite, but they can win games without both those guys. And I think at least while Paul George is out, Kawhi is probably going to play almost every single game, um, yeah. just because they you know they kind of need him right now. Uh, but man, even when they, those two both don't play, they could win games. And I think you know when those two play, they're going to be you know maybe the best team in the league. So it's really just you know it, it, I just think they're going to stumble into fifty five wins. I don't think they even have to push for it. And then yeah, mm-hmm. I think I've, I've said this before on, on Twitter and podcasts, I agree with you on Houston. I have them the sixty wins. They're just going to be awesome in the regular season. James Harden and Russell Westbrook are just going to be really, really good. They're going to be staggered, and they're going to be impossible. Bad teams will never beat them. David.
0: Yep, I totally agree. Who do you trust the most in the playoffs out of my top three here with Houston, Denver, and Utah? Uh, probably Houston. Actually, weirdly, I don't. So I'll start by saying I agree with you. I don't really trust any
1: of them. I don't think those are the ones that are going to win it all. But I think. I could really see Houston, you know, because they're the one seed, say, they get, in my scenario, the Kings. Uh, and then maybe they get the Nuggets. I, I think they could sneak into the Western Conference Finals just because of good seeding.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Uh, and we can probably jump over to the East. Not sure how low you want to drop down here because it is a disaster at the bottom of the East, Max.
1: Let's start at the top this time and then we'll see how we're feeling <laughs> at the end. I,
0: it's fun to make fun of,
1: but I don't want to spend too much time on it. I'll start with <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll start with my top three. I think we're gonna share a top two, right? We're gonna in some order the Sixers and the Bucks. I have the Sixers ahead of them, but which order do you have that? Yep, I had Milwaukee one, Philadelphia two. I thought about it a lot. Um, I'm a little nervous about the blood so injury thing. They're, just, they're a little not as deep as they were before without Brogdon and all that stuff. Uh, I'm talking about the the Bucks now and the Sixers. Oh. I think are just gonna be suffocating. Uh, Their defense alone is going to win them a bunch of games. So I, I, you know, I see them in like the high fifties range, and the Bucks just shortly behind them. They're both going to be awesome.
0: Yeah, I know that, you know the Bucks lost Brogdon, but I, I kind of went with uh, I guess less change in Milwaukee than Philly. Uh, obviously, yeah. Butler going out is a pretty massive change, and Horford coming in with uh, um, Josh Richardson with the other major change, I guess, in Philly. So I think they got a little bit more to work out, whereas Milwaukee should just hit the ground running so to speak. So who do you have in that third spot? You've kind of alluded to maybe being different to me. So I'm guessing maybe you're picking a bit of a surprise. Definitely. Yeah. Surprise pick. I think Miami Heat third, which I think
1: is going Ooh. to be very surprising to a lot of people. Uh, I think Jimmy Butler is going to be an awesome kick-ass year. First of all, he's just a great player. And I think he's like where he wants to be. Finally, he is a team that yeah. really fits his uh, MO, which is just, you know, grind your ass off, play off defense, like, you know, try you know, literally fight like your, uh, for your life on every possession sort of thing. Uh, yeah. I love Bam Adebayo. He looks incredible in preseason. Oh, my God. He's going to be a revelation. Uh, I think Goran Dragic, he's good. They have a trade to make, too. I think I could see them being a Lowry team and, you know, our Chris Paul team. I just think they're going to be really, really scrappy and good. I, I, and also Tyler Hero has looked
0: really good in the preseason. I just, there's a lot I like about this team, David. They're trending in the right direction. Yeah, they're they chippy. Yeah, you know, other than Dion Waiters getting himself suspended <laughs> for the first game, they're, yeah, they're, there's a lot to like about that. I, I think it kind of uh, sits in. You know, I've got Toronto third, but you know, I was quite high, I believe, this time last year on Toronto, um, and ended up being right You're with right, them. Yeah. You know, eventually winning the the championship. But I remember it was. You know, I did put the caveat that it was based on them making a move, which they eventually did with Marcus Gasol. So I think you're right. You know, Miami could be the the third best team in the East, you know, even without making a change. But specifically, sorry, if they do make a move, then I could really lean into that pick for you.
1: Yep. And uh, I'm with you on the Raptors. I had them four. So I think they're going to be slept on a little bit, but they still got a lot of guys in that team who are great players who just won a championship uh Kyle Lowry's obviously great, Marcus Saul, uh Pascal Siakam just got a max. What do you think about that, David? I thought that was a really interesting uh, extension.
0: Yeah, I mean it was kind of expected. I don't think, you know, I think there were there was maybe rumors they were going to try and get him a, for a, a little bit cheaper, but you know, that was kind of what they had to do. But I got a yeah. question for you without notice here. Sure. Siakam is the what best player in the East? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um just looking down. That's a lot teams. of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah, I don't think he's in the top 10, David. I think he's like a very fringe top 10. What do you think? Well, you've got, you know, just going down the list here, you've got obviously Giannis in Milwaukee. Yeah. You could probably argue that Embiid and Simmons are both better than him in Philadelphia. You could even argue Horford is better than him. Potentially. Miami, obviously, Jimmy Butler, as you mentioned before. Boston's an intriguing one. I'd probably take Siakam. I guess Kemba Walker. I'd take Kemba, yeah. Yeah, it's probably a a better bet. So yeah, you're still banking on a a little bit of projection here with Siakam being able to take his game to another level, which we're going to find out very, very quickly without Kawhi Leonard in town because Siakam's going to have the best defender on him all the time now, uh, particularly out of big guys. So uh, it's going to be really interesting with that extension to see how he goes to start the season.
1: Yeah, it's one of the more fascinating things. It's like the only reason to tune into opening night, honestly. Now that Zion's out playing, <laughs> that and that and Lonzo Ball, three point uh, marksman, uh, what I'll be watching for. But uh, I have the Boston Celtics fifth. David,
0: do you as well? I had them fourth, so I've got Miami oh, fifth. Oh, okay. got it, but yeah, you know, I, I I agree with you in terms of uh, you know Miami being good this season, that's for sure. So Boston's really interesting to me. I think they're going to be pretty good uh, on offense. I think the defense is going to be a
1: disaster. They don't uh, Al Horford. Duh, Enos Cantor downgrade is a is, that's a real downgrade, David. Uh yes. it's, they're very very reliant on Gordon Hayward or Jason Tatum being an awesome like wing playmaker. One of those guys has to do that, or else they're going to be kind of in trouble. I think I, I think they're going to be good just because they have a lot of talent, but I don't know. I it's people are very rosy
0: about them. I don't totally see it. Yeah, the the big rotation is pretty rough in mm-hmm. Boston at the moment. Yeah, you know, I saw some people say maybe Sabonis would be worthy. Uh, you know, with that news with Indiana, who I'm sure we're going to get to in a minute. But, you know, I think you're right with Haywood. I think he's the the swing guy here in terms of whether they're a, a really good team in the East or, or just an average team where we've got them, I guess, at the moment.
1: They're another trade to make team. That's the Stephen Adams destination. It's written all over. They need to go get Stephen Adams. Yes,
0: I'd agree um, with that
1: one too. Number six and seven and eight, I'll do all three of these and we'll see if we share it. Uh, maybe a bit of a surprise here. I have the Magic six, the really good defensive team.
0: Uh, Bulls mm-hmm. seven, maybe a surprise, and then I have the Nets eight. All right, we do differ a little bit. So I've got the Pacers six, Orlando seven, and Detroit eight. Okay, yeah. So let's talk about the Pacers.
1: I think that's the most interesting thing. I have them nine. I just, I don't think Old is going to come back 100% right away. That was a really nasty injury he suffered. Yeah. Uh, I really don't like the whole uh, Sabonis Turner thing. I don't, and now they have Batate playing well behind them. Like, maybe they can get away with a good trade of Sabonis, but as the roster stands right now, David, that situation makes me nervous.
0: Yeah, I agree. And you, you never want to start the season with those rumors and things kind of floating over your head, particularly because, you know, I put probably six through ten and I think the two teams you threw up there in, in Brooklyn and Chicago I've got at nine and ten. Yeah. You could put a blanket out of you know over all of those teams before you get to, you know, the dud teams from eleven through fifteen, I think. So, you know, the biggest surprise from that group, hard to say. You know, I would almost wanted to lean just with the star power on on Detroit and Brooklyn with with Blake mm. and, and Kyrie, but you know, health is obviously a, a big call with both of those as well. So, you yeah, know, I think we're on the same page with Orlando getting themselves in there just with a mm-hmm. deep, uh good team, well coached team. Uh, and then yeah, anything could happen from there, but you know, I just kind of went with some teams that I trust a little bit more than others, I suppose.
1: Yeah. I threw the Pistons in at 10. So I'm with you. That's the next tier. Um, I'm just nervous about Blake Griffin. He brought it up. I, you know, he had a really awesome season last year, but he even had a little bit of injury stuff go on. Um, and I could see a lot of, injury
0: stuff going on with him. So if they yeah, lose I'm, him for a certain
1: amount of, of time, they're going to be bad.
0: Yeah. And when he's on the Suns halfway through the year, Detroit will yeah. therefore be very, very bad, Max. God, I hope so, man. From your
1: lips to uh, James Jones' ears. Uh, <laughs> and then just real quickly on the Bulls, I just want to mention that I I've just love their roster, David. They have a lot of guys who I like. Xander Anski, obviously, I like. That young, I thought was kind of a weird signing, but when I look at it now, like it, it's nice. It's going to make them a lot better. Uh,
0: and I mean, then the whole Wendell
1: Carter, uh, Lori Markinen thing is really, really interesting to me. Yeah,
0: really nice mix of, of good young players that will mm-hmm. contribute to winning basketball and, and then some, you know, heady vets. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely tinkered with putting them in there, but just don't trust them. I guess, like, I don't trust the Phoenix Suns to make a, a major, <laughs> major, major leap, Max.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I guess the, I kind of see them similarly. Yeah, it's just one plays in the East, one plays in the West. It's probably why I have it like that. Uh, all right. I, I see a tier of one team, David, at number 11, and that is the Atlanta Hawks. I think they're going to be pretty damn good offensively. I think they're going to
0: be a disaster defensively. Yep. I don't disagree entirely. I've actually got the Knicks at 11 just because I think (laughs) they've got a lot of, you know, decent contributing players on the team. And I just see this, I've got them as all one group, you know, I'll just rattle them off the Knicks, the Hawks, the Wizards, the Hornets and Cleveland last. I think you could, put them in any order and potentially end up being right by the end of the year max
1: yeah the wizards next just kind of out of respect for bradley beal that roster's awful besides him though no, if he misses time they're the worst team in the league probably uh the next yep. had 13 i i see where you're going with that because i do think they have some good players on their team but i hate the fit of all of them i think yeah. they and there's already some grouching going on apparently there <laughs> the reporting so that's not great uh, I don't think the they're, they're list- I don't think Fizdale is you know kind of do a good job there. I, I just don't really like him. I don't like what I'm hearing about him not possibly starting Mitchell Robinson. I, I just I don't like a lot of what I'm hearing from them. So it's kind of like I just see that situation being a disaster and maybe some trades being made. Uh, and then yeah, the horns and the are yeah, hilarious.
0: I, the only thing I'd add in there is obviously the Igor thing didn't go all that well. But uh, thank God we've got Monty Williams and not David Fizdale. That's all I'm yes. gonna say. I think he's he's a bit of a disaster. I don't like this. Deal. It seems like he fights with his players a lot, which seems kind of productive.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Hornets and Cavs. The Hornets and Cavs are going to be like the teams that when they're on, you don't watch. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'm not going to watch the Hornets and Cavs when they play each other. I refuse. That's going to be the game that Zach Lowe makes fun of in his articles. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with that. All right. So let's get into a little bit of playoff stuff. So I guess let's start with the East since we just did it. Who do you see making the
0: conference finals in the East? Uh, I can't go past Milwaukee, Philadelphia. I yeah. just think other than one of these teams making a big move, as we discussed before, which is pretty hard to predict, uh, I'm going to go with those two.
1: Yeah, it would take an injury for somebody like the Heater or the Raptors to sneak in, I think. But I agree with you. I mean, you know, Giannis rules the East, and the Sixers are absolutely loaded. Um, I've, th- I've thought so much about who I'm going to pick between those two teams, David. I love them both. I think he's like a six or seven gamer. <sighs> I think the Sixers are a bad matchup for Milwaukee. But I have so much faith in Giannis Antetokounmpo that uh,
0: I think I'm gonna go with Milwaukee, actually, David. Yeah, I'm sticking with Milwaukee. Philly's gonna be really interesting to watch during the regular season, but you know, it, it's just really hard to see them ever getting the pieces right. Uh, yeah, I saw a great clip from Ryan Rosillo from I think it must have been from the the Bill Simmons pod where he just talked about the you know Ben Simmons Embiid combo and, and you know who's taking mm-hmm. their shots where and how off it is just in terms of balance I think you said you know, yes. something like Embiid taking you know 480 shots outside the paint last season or something like that and, and Ben yep. Simmons only taking a dozen or whatever so you know, that is already something that they haven't been able to get right and then they've thrown Al Horford into the mix so then the mix between him and Embiid and, and staggering their minutes and things like that is just you know, I just think for playoff basketball again I'm going to go with the team that seems to already have shit figured out and they know who their best player is and they know how to build around it. And yeah, I'm just going to go with the Bucks. It's a safe, boring pick, but...
1: No, but I think it's the right one. Um, but the Sixers thing is so interesting because I totally agree with you. I see them grinding to a halt in the playoffs offensively. But then I look on the other side of it and like, man, Jan's having to go up against that those three frontline guys all the time and Bead Simmons and Horford throughout the game. And they have great perimeter defenders now. Like They're just going to be a beast to play against. They're going to set up a giant wall for Giannis. So I kind of see those games to be a little bit throwback rock
0: fighting. All the, the defense first guys are going to love that series, I think. Yeah, Philly are going to suffocate teams, that's for sure. Because oh, yeah. you throw Josh Richardson in there as well. Yeah. yeah they, they've got a, a pretty formidable starting five in terms of defense. But yeah, playoffs, whole nother beast. But you do make a good point. Giannis going up against that is going to be pretty good. Uh, great for for the neutrals to watch anyway. So I'll start with my West Conference
1: Finals. Um, I think the best teams in the West in the playoffs are going to be the Lakers and the Clippers. However, Mm -hmm. I think the way seeding works out, I think they'll play each other earlier. So I actually think, as I said earlier, Houston will make it to the Conference Finals uh, and they will lose there to the Los Angeles
0: Clippers, David. I think we are on the same page with this one because I've Mm -hmm. got the Clippers and Lakers at four and five, so I can't exactly pick both of them to go through to the finals because they're going to play each other in the first round if I keep things consistent. And, yeah, Houston, the one seed, uh, should get a pretty easy way through to the finals, but I uh, definitely would see them losing to a healthy Clippers team. So, uh, Clippers-Bucks, Max? Yep, Clippers-Bucks, we both got it. Who do you got winning it? Uh, I just love the Clippers story. Uh, Yeah, it's just a great... Uh, get for them in the offseason to overhaul their whole roster after a really plucky uh, team beforehand with no stars on it. So uh, I'm going to go Clippers beating Milwaukee uh, in 6 or 7, Max.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the Clippers win it. I will say, though, um, if I had to bet money on a team to win the title this year, I would bet on Milwaukee probably because I think the West is going to be harder to get out of. The Bucks have to just beat one team. But I do think the best team in the league is the Clippers, and they should be the champion if they make it.
0: Yep, yeah, I don't disagree with that. And yeah, it, it's quite uh, a good thing to. I had another note if I had to bet on someone, I think it was with that star power of Detroit and Brooklyn before, just because, you know, if you're actually using Euro money, your, your thought process goes yeah. a little bit differently. And I think, yeah, with the weakness of the East uh, and I guess the consistency, as I keep saying with Milwaukee, I, I definitely agree with you on that. You, you'd kind of be leaning Milwaukee. Uh, if you were spending your actual money and not fantasy podcast money, here. <laughs> All right, are we ready for seven seconds or less? I'm ready. We haven't done a, a full blown one for a while, so hit me.
1: All righty seven seconds or less. The segment where one of us asks the other
0: three questions, which the
1: other has not prepared. It only has seven seconds or less to answer. I'm asking the questions this week, David. What are you most excited for uh, for the Phoenix Suns season? Like, what one
0: particular thing are you most excited to see? I think the chemistry has been great this offseason and and this preseason. You know, the the Valley Boys shop even was a, a window into that the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just excited to see, you know, what seems to be a, a very fun team with with the full support behind them uh, and for them to get a little bit chirpy. You know, we kind of saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, it in little stages last year, and I think if they get a few wins on the board early, I think they could be you know a real cocky. Uh, you know we know that Booker loves to chat. Uh, Ubrey you know gets people's interest with his you know maneuvering on the court and, and certain things that he does body language wise. So I think they could be you know the chirpiest team in the West and, and the team that you don't want to come up against night to night, Max. That's what I'd be excited for.
1: Love that answer. It's better than my answer, which is Ty Jerome. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right, similar question, but as we do on this podcast, this is for the league-wide. What are you most excited for around the league, not the
0: Suns? It's a boring answer, Max, but all the duos now, and and health Mm -hmm. being such a big thing as we've just run through with all of the teams uh, in the East and the West... I think that's the storyline: is which duo is going to be healthy at the right time of the year, uh, and, and I guess the chemistry. There's a lot of new duos here: Russ and Harden, mm. you know Kawhi and PG. I could see things not actually going all that well with the Clippers with that scenario if things you know went a certain way. Uh, Davis and LeBron, as you said, uh, the Warriors. If they get Clay back, I guess that's still a, a, a big three of sorts. Um, And, you know, Philly have got what they've got going on in the East as well. So that's it for me. It's a boring answer again. But, you know, all those duos, particularly the ones out West and and in particular in L.A., I think is going to be a massive storyline that we're never going to be able to get away from during the year. No, no, that's going to dominate the entire
1: media sphere, Twitter sphere, blah, blah, blah. Mine is seeing what the Warriors are going to be like, especially early on. I am just fascinated by their roster because it's so bad and I just want to see if Steph Curry and Draymond Green can carry it and how much D'Angelo Russell helps. I'm just fascinated by it in general. Uh, All right, what prediction that you made on this podcast are you most
0: confident about? Ooh, that is a very good question. I am very, very, very confident that the Houston Rockets will lead the West for wins in the regular season, Max. You
1: stole my answer, David. That is what I'm most confident about as well. So it's going to be fun to do this podcast in about a month when Houston's like 7-10 and or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, people will
0: come at us for how dumb we are and stick to the Suns. But I guess to give it a Suns flavor, I'm very confident that the starting lineup on night one will be Rubio, Booker, Kelly, Saric, and Aiton as well, Max. Yep, so am
1: I. I guess for a Suns one, for me, I'm confident that Devin Booker is good. (laughs) are you sure (laughs) i'm pretty sure Uh, all right that is it for us please as always rate review
0: and subscribe it really helps david i believe you have a few reviews you want to read i did i set the challenge earlier in the off season of getting to the magic 100 number of five stars before the season starts we're a little short but there's still time guys we're 94 (laughs) five stars so if there's six guys out there or girls listening to this podcast that want to throw us five stars Please do like these three guys did. I'm going to start off with Titan J who said, I started listening to Suns podcast back in April because I was tired of the radio focusing on the Cardinals and my commute had doubled in time. David and Max have the best chemistry and I always prioritize this podcast over others. Thank you for making my commute that much better and can't wait to listen when it's not the off season. And we can't wait to pod when it's not <laughs> the offseason, Titan. So thanks very much for that. Now we get to the really funny two that we got in September and October, Max. Mm-hmm. And this is hilarious, but Max36884, which I can confirm is not Max McCauley who hosts <laughs> this podcast, said, I've been listening to you guys along with about five other Phoenix Suns-based pod- podcasts for about a year now. Sorry, I... For not rating you guys earlier. And I can with certainly say that this is by far the best Phoenix Suns podcast. You guys are both very entertaining and informing. Keep up the good work, and I can't wait to listen to your podcast when we actually start winning more than 25 games. Max, <laughs> are you sure that wasn't you? You know, I think if I was going to make a
1: burner to review my own podcast, I probably would not use my own first name.
0: <laughs> and this is where it gets really ridiculous, but the next review is from <laughs> another generic, David4711. David4711. <laughs> who just said thanks for all the great content and gave us five stars and said this is my favorite son's podcast and i can confirm (laughs) as hilarious as it is that that isn't a burner for me either so that was the fun thing that i alluded to last episode with uh a max and a david giving us very complimentary reviews max
1: The best part is that not only was it our names, but they they had the same structure. It was our names and like a bunch of random numbers. This this is great.
0: (laughs) I love it. Absolutely. That's awesome.
1: All right, everybody. Thank you very much.